Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Red Stakhanov broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. We're back to our sort of discursive format this week as we recap match day 23 in La Liga, which means that we have lots of little chats with all of our squad members located in Spain, but we still pack it into less than half an hour for you. But there is a lot to get through. So let's start off this week with an eventful Madrid derby at the Wanda Metropolitano. Real Madrid visiting Atletico, winning by three goals to one. Started off by Casemiro his bicycle kick to give the visitors the lead that lead cancelled out by Antoine Griezmann who nutmegged Thibaut Courtois with his finish then Vinicius was brought down by Jose Jimenez penalty given and tucked away by Sergio Ramos for 1-2 Gareth Bale then came on as a sub and fired home Madrid's third Thomas Partey also sent off for a second booking after that but that was only half the story controversial game because of what didn't happen as much as what did so let's go through all of that with Ewan McTeer who is in the Spanish capital hi there Ewan so uh, first of all let's just try and get your take on all the main points of debate because there were quite a few um, I'd like a quick fire answer for each of these situations please so first of all was Vinicius fouled by Angel Correa in the build-up to Griezmann's equaliser nope not enough for Phil in my view okay um, should it have been a penalty for Real Madrid so was Vinicius fouled by Jimenez inside the box or was it outside no the foul was outside the box I reckon Okay, so no pen. Uh, Should Morata's goal, which was ruled out for offside, have stood? This is the closest one, but I think, yes, going by the offside lines from the guys who I've seen do this, the trustworthy guys who do this, it was probably just onside. Okay, and should Morata have got a penalty? So was he fouled by Casemiro in the 18-yard box? No, if Carrillo and Vinicius isn't a foul, then this one isn't either. I mean, it's a derby, come on. <laughs> okay, okay, right. So so there we are. So maybe maybe it could have been 2-2 with Morata scoring, but, you know, admittedly there's this discussion on both sides. Uh, Diego Simeone admitted after this game, you and that Madrid were the better team. Ultimately, do you feel that Atleti were hard done by enough that it would have changed the outcome of the game if the decisions had been different? Yeah, quite probably, because I guess uh, the two calls I just mentioned there that I think were wrong were both massive ones and swung the game from 1-1 to 2-1 or could have swung it from 2-1 to 2-2. So it probably would have altered the outcome. But I do like what Simeone said there. He didn't blame the referee afterwards. Most of the players didn't either. didn't really like the way the club responded with their Saturday night tweet. I mean, that's not how an elite European club should really behave. Uh, They posted a tweet late on Saturday night with freestyle images of 
incidents they thought went against them. I mean, pick up the toys, guys, and put them back in the pram. <laughs> uh, VAR, of course, at the centre of all this. Uh, what's the biggest challenge here? Is it the actual tool itself? Is it how it's interpreted? Is it how it's applied? What do you think? I think the, the main problem with VAR right now is, is there's a lack of understanding of of the fact that it's really just there for clear and obvious errors and the fact that we're all still debating these four incidents <laughs> several days afterwards and you know my opinion isn't the definitive one and you know there's other people will make arguments the opposite way that I have and that's the point none of these ones were clear and obvious offsides you think should be clear and obvious but even then it all depends on exactly when you freeze the frame when the ball comes out or exactly where you draw the lines from the shoulder down all this kind of thing it's not always clear and obvious and I think that's something we have to keep in mind Okay, uh, fallout from this game then, uh, back-to-back defeats for Atleti. How much pressure on them now? Because ultimately they play uh, Juventus in the last 16 of the Champions League next week. If they get a bad result in the first leg, I mean, is their season unravelling? Pretty much. I mean, they're out of the cup. They're even further behind in the title race after these last couple of weeks. So, yeah, really all they've got to fight for over the rest of the season is the Champions League. And it's not going to be easy, that first hurdle against Juventus. That really is a massive game now. And for Real Madrid, five wins out of five in La Liga. So are they suddenly title contenders? No, I'm going to say not just yet. Let's calm down. Uh, looking at the five matches they've won, it's Betis, Sevilla, Espanyol, Alaves and Atletico Madrid. Five teams that aren't having the best start to 2019. And another team in Spain that's having a pretty terrible time so far this year is Girona, the team they beat in the cup. So that's why I'm really excited to see how they get on in the, the doubleheader classical coming up because that'll be a real test. Okay, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, let's move on to another game in your patch, you and Leganes's 3-0 victory at home to Rabetis. I'm not sure that many of us necessarily picked it would be a win that big. Uh, Yusuf Enesiri with a hat-trick. The first completely unmarked at the corner. Uh, second that he tapped in Oscar's superb centre. The third, a goal on the break, played in by Martin Braithwaite. An excellent finish as well. Um, Javi Garcia later showing a straight red card for a dangerous challenge on Oscar Rodriguez. So Betis finishing the game with 10 men. So uh, Yusuf Enesiri's got eight league goals goals this season six of those have come in the last three games how come this burst of form right now and what do you like about him Ewan? Well, I mean, I'm going to put on my tactical hat here just for a moment, right, and explain this. So, uh, a couple of months ago, Leganes moved to a, a back five system, mostly to show up the defence, but what this did was created a sort of secondary striker role. Uh, they play a 5-3-1-1 almost, and he plays in that role. Um, and now he's got so much more space to work in, and, you know, to put it simply, that's kind of the reason that he's having this success in the last few weeks. And he's really helped propel them up the table. I mean, I know that placings and points are different things in La Liga right now, but Leganes are 11th. Uh, only two defeats in the last 13 La Liga games. One of those was against Barcelona as well. Uh, can they look upwards in the table or are they still kind of looking over their shoulders at this point? Uh, no, I don't know. I think this is still very much a relegation battle season for Leganes. They're up to living, sure, that's great, but I think they'll be closer to the drop zone than that when the end of the season comes. But to keep up this form, they should be on the right side of it, I'm sure. Uh, quick word on Betis. Uh, they've only taken seven points from their last seven league games, Hugh. And what's the most concerning thing for Giga? in terms of their overall play right now? I think the most concerning thing is that they're just so boring. They just keep the ball. <laughs> they pass it around. They don't really do anything with it. Um, I tweeted the start of this game two minutes in. Leganes had already had about five shots and I said that's more than Betis are probably going to have all game, tongue-in-cheekly, but it ended up being correct. And Kiki Setien uh, was quite critical of Leganes' style after the game, saying they only do four things 
Uh, they do them well, but they only do four things. And that's not gone down at all well here in Spain. People are quite upset that he's been so critical, so uh, snidey almost, holier than thou. Mm. Uh, especially when his team can be quite boring at times and they don't always win. Excellent. Thanks for that, Ewan. Well, this was our chosen game on Partiasa Predictions with Alex Johnson getting her final score forecast spot on, earning her three points. I also went for a Madrid win but didn't get the exact score, so I get one point. This is how the table looks. Paco Polit is on 21 points. Ewan, you stay on 14. I move up to 12. Roman de Arquette remains on 10, where he's now joined by Alex. Well, our next port of call is Bilbao. Right, to one of the other big games of the weekend. Leaders Barcelona held to a 0-0 draw away to Athletic Club, but it was actually the home side who had the better chances in this one, particularly through Raul Garcia in the first half. Also, Mikel San Jose and particularly Iñaki Williams in the second. Marc-Andre Ter Stegen making some important saves to keep the scores level. Barca were poor before the break. They improved only slightly after it once Lionel Messi started dictating. It means they once again dropped points after drawing at home to Valencia last time out in La Liga, but they remain six clear of second place with now Madrid's their nearest challenges. Well, Alex Johnson is our lady in the north of Spain. Uh, Alex, you were at this game. Just how impressive were Athletic? Well, to start with, I think it was a completely different Athletic than we saw the other weekend at Anoeta. Uh, everything that was going wrong there was going right this time. It was the hard-working uh, Athletic again, the unity and all of that. But what impressed me the most was the way they defended and then how quickly they turned it around to very, very dangerous counter-attacks. And yes, how the confidence in the team and, and as it grew through the match, it was just so many, many small details and just how they worked together in preventing Barcelona to really create anything. They only had one shot on, on goal all night. I think that says a lot. It does. It, it all came together for Atletico, even though they didn't win. It's still an impressive result. But well, there are two sides to every story. Uh, Luis Suarez says the Barcelona are lacking in communication. Why do you think that's happening and why now? Well, I think it's happening because Barcelona are playing a wildly mixed team every match lately. Um, and I think the pass that Suarez is mainly referring to is one that was towards Semedo, but was morely expected for a Jordi Alba movement to come out of it. Uh, and, and that it comes down to instinct because so much of Barcelona do is, is just of instinct. The way Suarez, Messi, Jordi Alba, Busquets, how they play together is they don't really need to think. They, they just know by instinct how, how each other are, are going to move and, and how the passes are going to come. So when you then get a lot of injuries, you've got new players coming in, it really doesn't help the communication on the pitch. And I think that, that's where the problem lies. You mentioned Jordi Alba. How uh, important is he? How much do Barcelona rely on him and, and also the keeper, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen? Well, if we start with Jordi Alba, for me, I think he's the, the second most important player for Barcelona at the moment after Lionel Messi. And I think we saw that specifically in this match, just how, how much he was missed. And one of the things that, that makes him so, so important and valuable for them is that they don't really have any backup for him. Uh, he's just so great in the defensive work. He, he runs, he makes assists, he's everywhere. He's just a complete fullback at the moment. Uh, while with Ter Stegen, they have a great goalkeeper in Silicon who can't come in if, if, if Ter Stegen can't play. With that said, Ter Stegen was probably the man of the match for Barcelona in this match and was definitely the, the man who saved them from losing. How do you assess the title race then, Alex? Uh, Barcelona, six points clear, but now of Real Madrid who beat Atletico. 
Well, uh, for me, it's wide open, to be honest. This league is, is just so incredible where anything can happen. Anyone can lose against anyone. We've seen Barcelona lose against Leganes, Atletico against Betis, Bar- uh, Real Madrid against uh, several teams as well. So there's a long way to go and no one can feel safe. It's, it's just wide open. For Athletic Club, it's still just two defeats uh, since Gaisa Gallidano took over. What would you say is a, a realistic ambition for them now? Just avoiding relegation or finishing top half or maybe even pushing for Europe? Well, it's a little bit the same here. That it's, it's so open. It's like three points can differ from if you're fighting for relegation or if you're fighting for Europe. With that said, just the confidence you're seeing in Athletic now and the, the development they have been doing compared to other teams. We have teams like Espanyol and Girona who started the season amazingly, but are now, now just in a free fall. While Athletic, they had a more rough starting to the season where they couldn't win for, for several matches and now everything is just going good for them. So in that sense, they are in a much better position going forward and most of the teams in the same area of the table where, where they are. So I think they should look upwards. And what about the atmosphere at San Mames? How was it for you? It's incredible. It's always amazing at San Mames, and especially because there's so many locals on the matches. There's so many season ticket holders, uh, people who are sitting in the same place match after match, which just creates this special atmosphere. And, and this match, it, it was incredible as well. A lot of sound. And I think there, there was a few times where I thought I was going deaf by, by all the sound that was coming out of that stadium. Thanks for that, Alex. That's it for part one of this podcast, but still seven games to get through. Part two is on the way shortly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, welcome back, everyone, to this La Liga Lodan mini-pod with Redis Sakanov and broadcasts on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. Uh, let's crack on with our recap of match day 23 in Spain's top division. And we're heading now to the northeast of the country. Roman de Arquer is in Barcelona. And Roman will get to Espanyol's win over Rayo, where you are in just a moment. But first, let's go up the coast uh, to Montilivi and chat about the game which finished Girona nil, Huesca 2. Huge win uh, for Huesca. First time is in La Liga, currently bottom of the table. Uh, Jimmy Avila getting 
scored both goals in the first half. Um, the first, a driven shot from distance into the bottom right-hand corner. The second, uh, he just reacted quickest. Girona's defence were just slightly asleep and he smashed home just outside the six-yard box for his second. Other points of note from this game, uh, the Huesca keeper, uh, Roberto Santa Maria, making an incredible double save from Pedro Porro and Bernardo Espinosa also getting sent off for Girona. Um, Roman Chimiavila then the hero. He scored as a sub against Valladolid and then got both goals in this game. What qualities does he have? Well, David, he's a quick and pacey player. He's capable of slotting past defenders. And as we saw with his goals, he can shoot from close range or from far. So I think he's a very complete striker. And of course, it was his first start since December alongside Enrique Gallego, but only because Cucho Hernandez was banned. So out of those three, pick two who start the next game. Well, for me, Gallego has to start for sure because he's a hard worker. He's the intense player. So he stays for me. And then it's a tough call, but I think form is key. So I would go with Chimi Avila. If he's scoring goals, stick with him. And Wesker have picked up seven points of the last nine on offer, all of those with clean sheets. What's the biggest change you've noticed? Well, Francisco finally has found his formation, which is with three centre-backs and two full-backs. That combined with the new signings seems to be working pretty well. And also I think they have a hint of luck maybe now because they're starting to score those goals, those chances that before they were usually missing. So all all that combined I think is the, the key to this. And we've seen on our, our Twitter feed recently, um, especially from Matt Clark, who's one of our sort of long-time listeners and supporters on La Liga Lowdown, uh, the phrase, the great Westscape. Um, now, Wesker is six points from safety as opposed to 12. So do you think they can pull it off? I think they can pull it off. I mean, six points aren't that much. There's still 45 points in play. And lots of teams uh, down there in the bottom of the league are struggling, such as Villarreal, Rayo, Celta, Valladolid. They're probably playing worse than Wesker. And I think they can make it out of there. I mean, Girona should be added to that list, really, because they've lost their last six in all competitions. They're just above the drop zone. They haven't won in the league since November. Such an alarming slump for El Sevilla to deal with. Why? Well, they could be added, but personally, I think they've been playing decently. They're not playing as bad as other teams. I mean, against Barca, they were very competitive. Against Huesca, they had good chances to win. But I think they have this kind of Stuani dependence, maybe, because Stuani was on great form, scoring lots of goals, and then suddenly he's struggling a lot. And that's a big problem for the team. Okay, uh, let's turn to Espanyol's comeback win over Rayo at the Erce Stadium. Uh, they won by two goals to one. Rayo taking the lead with an Abdullah Bar header. Espanyol's equaliser came after the 70-minute mark with the substitute Woulet brought down in the box. Borja Iglesias uh, converting the penalty. And then the winner was a spectacular goal. One of the most spectacular of the entire match day. Superbly timed volley from Sergi Darder in the fifth minute of injury time from the D. Three vital points for Rubi's side. Tell us about the second half performance from Espanyol. Uh, they were totally dominant. What really impressed you about them? Well, it kind of reminded us of that Espanyol we'd seen at the beginning of the season, really intense, pushing really high, wanting those goals. And I mean, VAR denied Darder two goals before and they wanted to prove to their fans that they could score another one and make sure the three points stayed at home. And they did. And what about Roulet? Because he had his impact. Talk to us about him and also about the attention that this now brings Espanyol. Well, it's a great move for Espanyol because he was one of the biggest stars in the Chinese league. He played 17 minutes against Villarreal and 40 million people from China watched that live. I mean, that is amazing, taking into account that in Spain, under 200,000 people were watching that game. So that could create a major fan base for Espanyol and would, of course, would mean more money for the clubs, better signings and playing in Europe. And as a player, Wule, 
is quite competitive to be honest he surprised me especially against Rayo he forced that penalty he created good chances and he worked for the team so he might be the perfect complement for Borja Iglesias up front uh, and what about Espanyol generally? I mean, do you sense there's been a bit of a reaction since they lost to Real Madrid? Obviously, the comeback at Villarreal from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. This one as well to take all three points at home to Rayo. Is there renewed belief, perhaps? Well, I have to say the first half against Villarreal was very poor, but somehow they managed to change in the second half and they've kind of prolonged this uh, good form against Rayo. So I think it's, it's good news for them. They have to um, hold on to this and keep playing at this high level. And for Rayo, uh, I was just doing a little bit of research into this. Uh, conceding late goals seems to be a real problem. In fact, they've dropped nine points by conceding goals in the last 10 minutes of games. And that's just since November. What do you put that down to? I think it's about bad defending, basically. For me, Rayo has always struggled a lot in that um, aspect in Primera División. They usually build teams which are really creative and strong offensively, but then when it comes to avoiding conceding goals, there's always a problem, even with such a good goalkeeper such as Dimitrevski. And so that's something they have to look into seriously. Cheers, Roman. Well, time now to focus on two teams battling to make those Europa League places. Valencia and Real Sociedad fought out a goalless draw at Mestalla. The visitors dominating possession in the first half, Adnan Yanazai going close, while the host's best chances were Rodrigo header wide and Cristiano Piccini's shot saved by Jeronimo Rui. Let's speak to La Liga Lodown's Paco Polito, who went to this match. Uh, so, Paco, was it as dull as the scoreline might suggest? Yeah, well, um, it wasn't a memorable game, but there were little things here and there to point out. And overall, I think Real Sociedad did a very good job. While Valencia seemed tired after their extra effort last Thursday, um, few chances from the away team, maybe Valencia pushed forward a little bit more, but still wasn't enough. Um, the day was amazing, it was sunny with weather, and that made the fans to enjoy the evening at Vestalla, but yeah, the truth is that the game was not that exciting. Yeah, a little flat really, wasn't it? But which team would you say would be happy with this result overall? Real Sociedad, uh, definitely. You could say that their game plan actually was exclusively about making the other team to not play at all. Stopping Valencia in the midfield, stopping Parejo and both uh, him and Condogbia were very flat throughout the evening and then trying to score in the fast break. So you could say that they got 50% of the job done and got away with one more point for them. Uh, talk about two more Valencia players, Paco. Um, Facundo Roncaglia making his debut after moving from Celta Vigo and also the return of Gonzalo Guedes in the matchday squad. Uh, came on as a substitute as well. Um, has been out obviously for a couple of months after his surgery. So how did you rate the performances of those two players? Roncaglia was one of the highlights of the evening, I think. Uh, it was clear that he was very concentrated on the pitch. He didn't want to mess up in his first day at the office. And he did pretty well right next to um, Ezequiel Garay. Overall, he did very well. And Gonzalo Guedes, meanwhile, he looked a bit out of form, you could say. But anyway, he caused a couple of bookings for the opposite team in two of his trademark runs. So I think he's still a bit... Mm, he needs a bit more work to get there to his form that marbled Valencia fans last season. Yeah, so a bit more work, probably a bit more time. Uh, what about Real Sociedad, though? I mean, they are still unbeaten under Ivano Alguacil. It's been eight games now. They've won three of those, drawn the other five. So what have you seen in that time uh, of him actually putting his stamp on this uh, La Real side? 
Well, they are showing that sometimes switching uh, uh, the coach on the bench really works. Uh, I believe Real Sociedad have the word serious written all around their face. They have increased their reliability behind and with the occasional William Jose or Oyarzabal goal here and there uh, sprinkled throughout their games, they are winning uh, matches that they used to lose in the first few match days this season. And you mentioned before that Valencia were tired. Well, they're going to have to find some energy from somewhere because, of course, European football is back and they've got Celtic over two legs in the Europa League last 32. How well equipped are they to take on that challenge? And also, where does this rank in the list of priorities for Valencia this season? Well, after seeing the team this weekend, I don't really know how to answer. Uh, you know, Matteo Alemán stated uh, back in the day that Copa del Rey wasn't a priority, uh, but I believe now it actually is. Trying to beat Betis and playing the final, I think it's a priority, but fans also expect Valencia to do a good job against uh, Celtic. If Marcelino is able to maybe properly rotate his players and give chances to uh, youngsters such as Ferran Torres or Kanji Lee or maybe newcomer Ruben Sobrino, uh, they should be able to just make it past uh, the next round. And what about the rest of this season for both Valencia and Real Sociedad and just trying to uh, maybe qualify for Europe and the rest of this campaign? Uh, how do you see their hopes of qualifying for European football next season? Well, Malinthe's case, I believe they have turned around their dynamic. Right now they are climbing positions, slowly but steadily, and they will definitely fight for Europe, hands down. And in Real Sociedad's case, maybe the, the table works in their favour, and the close standings, you only have to take a look at them. Uh, it's madness this season. They might work towards their benefit. Uh, stringing two or three or four wins in a row makes any team a contender material towards their goal. So maybe Real Sociedad, what they need is winning games two or three, and they might be able to surprise everyone and fight for those European spots. All right, thanks for that, Paco. Well, there are four more games to recap before we go. Finished Sevilla 2, Eibar 2. Fabian Orellana and Charles putting Eibar in control before Eber Manega was sent off. But then an incredible comeback from the 10 minutes of year with time running out. Pablo Sarabia setting up Wissam Ben Yedda before scoring the equaliser himself. Getafe came back from a goal down to beat Celta Vigo. Nestor Araujo with the opener from a header. Maxi Gomez then sent off a two rapid yellows. But it was all about Jaime Mata after that. He scored two goals, one from the penalty spots and also set up Jorge Molina. Celta didn't hold back in their statement afterwards, criticising the referee. Alaves ended their losing streak with a comfortable 2-0 victory at home to Levante on Monday night. Victor La Guardia and Johnny with the goals and Baudolid against Villarreal finished 0-0 at the Jose Sorria on Friday. Let's have a look at the table then. Barcelona top on 51 points. Real Madrid now second on 45. Atletico stay on 44 in third place. Sevilla fourth on 37. But Getafe and Alaves fifth and sixth both on 35 points. At the bottom Huesca suddenly up to 18 points. Villarreal second bottom on 20. Rayo third bottom on 23. Girona and Celta both on 24 points. And don't forget to check out our Twitter feed at La Liga Lowdown as European football returns this week. We'll keep you across the five Spanish teams involved. That's your La Liga Lowdown. See you next time. This was a Radio Stakhanov production. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 